In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following podcast is designed to entertain and inform. The views and opinions expressed by the guests participating in this podcast are solely their own based on their own experiences and do not represent the views and opinions of the hosts, Erios, Tradecraft Media, and or any distributor of this podcast. She famously said she was walking out to do Chance to Shine and then they were talking about someone giving birth and her mic went on right as she was saying, you know, oh, did she have a C-section or did she have it click vaginally? Welcome to Keys to the Kingdom, a peek behind the curtain of the world's greatest theme parks. Today, we're climbing to the top of the theme park pyramid, to the exclusive world of the elite atmosphere performers, the trusted show hosts, and the venerable stage actors. This is Episode 5, The Professionals. Or, as the insiders refer to them, the AGVAs. AGVA stands for the American Guild of Variety Artists and is the union that represents the top-tier performers at the Disneyland Resort and Universal Studios Hollywood. And while being an AGVA can be a jumping-off point for a greater career, not everyone can make an entire career out of being an AGVA. For instance, you can't be a Disney princess your whole life. You'll inevitably age out of the role. And the pay's no good. You can't have a 50-year career as a fuzzy. The physical toll is just too much. And the pay's no good. But being an AGVA... You can definitely make a career out of that. Right, but should you? That's the real question. AGVA is a very interesting union in that it has a no-strike clause, meaning its workers can't strike for leverage. If that seems like a drastic disadvantage, wait till you hear that the AGVA president was once Phyllis Diller. No shade, I love Phyllis Diller. Ultimately, it's a tough call, one that you and I both had to make at one time or another. To help us understand the ins and outs of the long-term theme park career path, let's hear from a full-time Disney professional and a lifer at that. She's chosen to be called Grandma Agva for reasons of job security. It's maybe my favorite code name. Hello, my name is Grandma Agva. I have actually worked for the Walt Disney Company for 35 years. I think last count, 
was 27 stage shows and approximately over 100 vignette type shows. I can't even count. So this is why they call you Grandma Agva. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, It's really difficult to have stayed in entertainment as long as I have. And the only reason why I say that is because that kind of speaks volumes to the company that they still actually hire me and there's still roles for someone that's not 20. And so I'm really proud to say that I've been there that long and it's a difficult feat. Yeah. (laughs) It's not easy. And how do you think that you've lasted so long? My rule of thumb is, is that if you only have one show, you're on a two week notice at all times. And that will wear at you, that will tear at you, that will eat at you. And even if you don't think it does, it will. I do seven sets a day and you have to turn the corner and and make something magical happen in 20 minutes with people that you do not know, or you have to create something every single time you turn the corner. It's a great preparation for a hard work ethic in the business because it is show business. I think if you're going to go for it, then go for it. And don't think, oh, this is just a theme park job because it's not. It's setting you up for success elsewhere. In the theme park world, being an Agva is actually a coveted position. Since you've got union protection and ostensibly a specialized talent, you're not as disposable as the other characters and you can get away with a lot more than the non-union characters. Let's hear from my dear friend and former co-worker at Disneyland, Gail Brennan. I worked for several theme parks, Disney, California Adventure, doing shows and special events. I worked for Universal Studios. I worked for Great America in the Bay Area and also for Knott's Dairy Farm. Tell us about that time you had a little verbal slip up. At Universal, this woman would come and she would stand in the window and I would be trying to do my, you know, New York window shtick with the people down below. And she would just stand over there and go, you're not really from New York. You know that you're you're not this. You're not that. I can see your microphone. I can see the speaker. She was just yelling that stuff through the whole set. And finally, we were done and I shut the window and I turned to my friend and I said, Jesus Christ, I hate that fucking idiot lady. And he put his hand on my arm and he said, your mic is on. And I said, ha ha, no, it's not. And he he, he squeezed my arm a little tighter and he said, your mic is on. (laughs) I literally was like, I'm fired. I'm fired. But she didn't get fired, quite probably because she was in a union. Let me refer you back to the cold opening of this episode when you heard another microphone mix-up as told by Gail. The person she was referring to was actually our beloved Grandma Agva. Here's Grandma again with a story about Disney CEO Bob Iger and knowing about when an Agva can push the limits. Bob Iger seemed to like me. I don't know why, but he requested me a lot for for events. It's strange because I was horrible to him. How were you horrible to him? What do you mean? Because I was always Maleficent. Oh, I see. And I remember it was the day they decided to buy Star Wars. So he came out in this, um, I don't know, Darth Vader outfit, whatever. (laughs) And I was Maleficent. And um, I just gave him so much shit about, really? He went with Star Wars and not Harry Potter? And I, I was just railing on him. I did not let him up at all. It was a day that I was on. You know how those days just happen? (laughs) Yeah. And he was trying to talk. And I was like, what are you doing? And I kept calling him Igor. And he's like, it's Igor. I'm like, no, whatever, 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 Igor, whatever. And I could tell he was like getting a little annoyed with me, but he couldn't get too mad because he's the one who asked me to do it. And finally I said, you know what? You don't need to talk because your money does that for you. And the whole crowd was like, oh, she just crossed the line. That girl's going to get fired. 
And I was scared because I really did cross the line. They said, the only thing you can't talk about is Miley Cyrus. I'm like, I didn't talk about Miley Cyrus. Why? What? Why can't you talk about? She had just, I guess, shown her cuckoo or something and they were not thrilled about it. Pardon me. Did you just say cuckoo? Yeah, her cuckoo. She showed her cuckoo box. Oh, grandma. Anyway, I got off stage and I looked at Bob and he he goes, come here. And I was like, oh, shit. And he goes, I want a picture with you. And then everybody was crowding him. He said, that's it. Only one picture. And I was like, uh, wow, he likes it. So Yeah, he respected you. <laughs> and here's Gail once more about a time when the limits pushed were her own. So I was a Klingon at Great America in the 90s. (laughs) Because I'm six feet tall, you had to be very tall to be a Klingon. And we wore the actual costumes that they wore in the movies and the show. They were as real as you can get. And they were heavy and they were hot. Everything was plastic and leather and fantasy fur and wig. The only parts of my body that were exposed were my fingertips from my leather gloves. Because of course, Klingons wear black (laughs) leather fingerless gloves, I guess. And so, you know, people would mess with us a lot. And I got some very interesting sexual propositions as a giant Klingon lady. Specifically because you were a Klingon? I think so. Yeah. Like people have some weird fantasy situations going on uh, in regards to Klingons in Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Is it the forehead? I think it might be the uh, breastplate. I'm not sure. Uh, And the gun. That's a triple threat. Yeah, it was something. But um, I know this one woman said to me, oh, I have to thank you for all the fantasies that my husband had about you during sex and not you Klingon lady you like specifically you Klingon lady <laughs> oh my god that's probably one of the worst things that's ever happened in any of my jobs because I have to live with that now forever <laughs> it was awful But this one time it was very hot and we had to walk a long distance in these costumes to get to our spot. The wig is this huge porno wig that went down to my waist in the back, but it was also glued to my forehead because the forehead appliance of the Klingon, the weird wrinkly forehead was a part of the wig and it was all glued to my face. And so it was hot and the sweat was damming up inside of my forehead piece and somebody came and pulled on the back of my wig and he couldn't really turn because I had this big neck this yoke thing that was made of leather and it was hard to turn my head and so I turned one way and I couldn't see and I turned the other way and I couldn't see but I just caught somebody ducking out of sight and he kept yanking on my wig and I was just done I was well you guys know when you're just having a day and it was uh, I couldn't turn around and see him because he kept jumping behind me and I just reached behind me with my hand and I sort of backed him against the cyclone fence and I grabbed his t-shirt and I turned around and twisted his t-shirt and I had him and I had him against this fence and I pulled him away from the fence and slammed him into the fence again. (laughs) And I said, don't fuck with me, you little bastard. I will have you thrown out of here and, and, you know, this and that. And I'm threatening this kid. He's a teenager and he put his hands up and I like, don't hurt me, stance. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then I swung him around and I shoved him really hard and he kind of stumbled away and I said, if I ever see you again... (laughs) I'm going to fucking kill you. And he ran away. The irony of you just being Gail and 
kicking ass, but also fulfilling what you would think a Klingon warrior lady would do. Oh, when you were, when I was a Klingon, I was a Klingon like from your first cigarette to your last dying day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the poor kid though he was he was literally cowering with his hands up like oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And though you do get a certain amount of agency and in some ways even power as an Agva, the job can sometimes be a little humiliating. A little. Okay, a lot. Aside from the fact that you're still working at a theme park, some of the roles were really just one step up from being a glorified party clown. Yes. At Disneyland, I played a role called Sally Mae, quote, the ugliest woman in Frontierland. Those were Disneyland's words, not mine. But it was a show in Frontierland where I dressed in drag in a gingham red picnic tablecloth dress and a big red bow and lipstick and stubble. And it's just something that you'd never see today. Was it funny, though? Well, at the time, people found it really funny and you got the most laughs in the show, but it would never pass muster today. But going on your lunch break to the cafeteria in half a woman's dress and no wig but makeup still on was an odd experience. I have a job like that. What's that? Hands down, the worst theme park job I ever did was being a who. A what? No, a who. Third base. No. Yes. A who like from Whoville? Ever heard of it, Ding Dong? (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) Language. No, so I was playing a who from Whoville. And if you're familiar with the Grinch who saw Christmas. Excuse me? Oh, no, I did it wrong. (laughs) The Grinch who saw Christmas. (laughs) But if you've seen the movie, you know the Who's have these tiny little upturned noses. I'm familiar with what you're talking about, and they are truly disconcerting in human form. The first hour of your shift was just sitting in a makeup chair, having a professional nose prosthetic put on that covered from the bottom of your upper lip all the way to the bridge of your nose. So my fake prosthetic nostrils would be up like almost between my eyes. And I would have to wear this prosthetic nose for a nine hour shift in the middle of winter. This is the most disgusting part. So it was cold out. So you'd get a runny nose. And at the end of your shift, when you sort of peeled up the prosthetic, snot would pour out. Wait, so would the snot fill up past the point of your actual nostrils where you had to breathe through your mouth because you could drown from your own snot? It was disgusting. Well, speaking of disgusting... Here's a longtime Agva who had a particularly embarrassing experience while working on Tom Sawyer's Island. You know, the island in the middle of a Disney lake where the only way off and on is by a raft packed with park guests. He chose to be called Cherry Blossom and have his voice disguised for job security. They just put the fort back together on Tom Sawyer's Island. They had helicoptered in this mobile bathroom, and they were really nice. We would watch ducks uh, wander around, and it was it was really a pretty peaceful, nice day out there. It's just hard to get to lunch because you had to take the raft back and forth. We had finished the hanging. And so just to clarify, the entire night previous, you'd been working at Knott's Berry Farm in the Halloween hanging, and then you came to work a full shift at Disney the next day. Yes, I'm on Tom Sawyer's Island, full pirate makeup, prosthetic mustache, beard, wig, $400 pirate shoes. The whole costume was about three grand. Wow, pirate shoes go for that much. And I said, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm not feeling great. My stomach's a little off. I'm just going to hang out back here. And I go into the restroom and I, you know, you break wind in the restroom. (laughs) And then I felt something on my $400 pirate shoe. (laughs) And I looked down and I went, oh, no. (laughs) 
I wiped off and walked down the stairs and there's Jack Sparrow and his handler sitting there. And I go, tell the stage manager I'll be back. I don't know when, but I will be back. <laughs> now I have to leave the fort. And I walk out of the fort and I get about 20 feet out of the fort on Tom Sawyer's Island. And I hear, oh, look, kids, a pirate. Oh, no. Yeah. Between the fort and the raft. I had to stop about five times to take pictures. <laughs> and then I had to get on the raft with the guests. Okay. <laughs> so all this time you have pirate potty pants? <laughs> I'm shipping high in transit. <laughs> Your poop deck has not been swamped. <laughs> it has not been swamped. And so I, I'm on the raft and I'm taking pictures and I'm thinking these people must think this is really authentic. And now... <laughs> There's construction going on, so I can't go the backstage way. I have to walk along the River of America through Frontierland and up through part of Fantasyland, too, to get up to the parade building to change into my other costume. And I destroy the underwear. And I, I'll say you did. <laughs> and I, I fold up everything and I hand it to Jeannie, the costumer, and I said, don't open this. <laughs> And bless her heart, she says, I'll get a plastic bag. And it was then that it occurred to me, you've seen it all, Jeannie. Oh, yeah. You've handled 20-year-old parade performers who have just discovered alcohol and out-of-control sexual experiences <laughs> in 103-degree weather. They're like out there spilling it out of every orifice. You've seen everything. You've seen elves vomit and puke and pass blood. You've You've seen it all, Jeannie. This is nothing. This is a. This isn't even a blip. Anyway, <laughs> that was probably one of the worst things that had happened. It was me shitting my pirate costume. <laughs> Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. <laughs> And sometimes being a trusted performer means having responsibilities way above your pay grade dropped at your doorstep. 
Here's Rebecca Lumiansky, former theme park Agva director and performer, and someone you might remember as one of the banana thieves from the Breaking the Rules episode. I played a fortune teller multiple times at grad nights, you know, kids graduating from high school, they would bust them in and they got to spend the night at Disneyland. And so they would always hire four or five gals to be in New Orleans Square and do fortunes. And we could not be dressed more ridiculously, over the top, absolute parody version of fortune tellers. But kids took us 100% seriously and they would queue around New Orleans square to get a chance and we would have rubber fish we would throw plastic bones i mean we had, it was like not even a real thing but they wanted a real fortune so if you tried to do shtick they hated you they really <laughs> wanted a fortune so we just delivered we all just started giving them <laughs> fortunes and i realized dude i learned how to be psychic during that because i learned how to just observe people see if the, if he's wearing a sports jacket, if she's wearing a particular color, you just sum them up as they're walking up and then you can nail it almost every single time based on the way they're dressed or observing them talking to their friends because it's you know, high school students and their our future, I just decided I am going to tell them all that they're going to do such amazing things. And I just started making up incredible things that they were going to go off and do in their lives. Like what? Do you remember any? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, was, I mean, money. Of course, they were all just interested in making money. And so I would somehow narrow down whatever they were going to be and then amplify it and say, oh, you are going to be so successful as a coach. You are just, uh, I mean, I, I just see a huge future, whatever it was. So that went on. And then one time they hired me as a, for a special event for a woman. She had cancer and she was having like a goodbye party at the Disneyland hotel with all of her friends. Oh they hired God. me as a fortune teller. No. Yes. And so I found out when I got there what it was. I had already oh agreed. God. They're like, you're going to do the fortune teller at this party. And I find out what the party is for when I get there. Oh, my God. And I avoided the actual woman the entire party. And I just did shtick because once again, I look ridiculous. And these are adults now and they know that I'm just an actor. And so I'm doing my shtick with everybody and everybody's having a great time. And then towards the end of the party, one of the gal's friends comes up and says, you know, so-and-so Cherie really wants to talk to you. <sighs> yes. Well, I had to sit down and give this woman a fortune and I just didn't have it. You guys, I didn't have it. In well, there. That's so much to put on you. How did you handle that? What, what what did you say? How did you comfort her? I just ended up asking her all kinds of questions about herself and then telling her back to herself how amazing she was. That was all I could think of to do. But it was a fail because she sensed how awful I, f I mean. Right. Which you think she was actually looking for? for something i mean it seemed like she was looking for something for sure oh man i can't believe you were put in that position i know and i called after that i called and i was like i'm done i'm hanging up the wig it's over <laughs> i'm done telling fortunes but for every miserable or degrading or humiliating job you could work as an agva every once in a while you'd land the one that was just the easiest money you could ever make i believe you did something called dino chasers 
Dino Chasers. Maybe the best job I've ever had? Seriously? Seriously. I would dress in a khaki vest and cargo pants. Oh. We had this little like golf cart Jeep looking thing that was made to look like a Jurassic Park Jeep. And it had a sound system that would play the Jurassic Park theme. So essentially we would just cruise around the lower lot. We had an animatronic dinosaur we called Gertie. And on hot days, I would just stand at the Jurassic Park line and spray people down with water and tell them they had been contaminated. And this was our special like anti-dinosaur flu solution. So you were just dressed in safari shorts with a spray bottle? Being paid 32 some dollars an hour. Okay, I'll do you one better. Push. Push the talking trash can looked like a regular Disneyland trash can. Metal had the flap that swung open in the front, but he was actually fully robotic and controlled by me, the operator who was hiding in the crowd amongst the Disney park guests. I had a duffel bag over my shoulder with a secret remote controller and a microphone up my sleeve. When I spoke, my voice would come through the trash can, pitch modulated to sound like an innocent little child as he rolled around talking through the guests throughout the day. Push was one of my favorite atmosphere experiences. And you got paid $10 extra a day for wearing your own clothes. So what would you say is Push? Hello, lady. How are you? Oh, look at the little trash can. I'm good. What a cutie. Are you going to eat that churro? Yes, I am, but I'll share. Come on, throw it away, lady. Please, please. Are you single? Maybe. Why don't you ask that trash can over there? That's my ex-wife, Sheila. Now, I have to call you out because one time you did tell me that you used to get a lot of phone numbers from women at the park working as push. They would literally write their phone numbers on a piece of paper and throw them in the trash. God, women have low (laughs) (laughs) self-esteem. It's true. And this is in no way bragging because I wouldn't get phone numbers from any of my other jobs I did there. There was something about the magic of this thing that made the push Agva seem, I think, more clever than they were. I don't know, but it's true. I would get numbers thrown away. No, I know. I would get hit on as a dino chaser too, even though I was in head to toe cargo khaki. Sexy. And like you, Matt, Cherry Blossom also worked the infamous push job. Yes, but as cushy as that job was, it did have its downsides. Do you remember any horrible push park guests and how they would treat the trash can? To me, that was the hour of three o'clock. That's when, I don't know if it was the sugar kicked in or the heat. it was nap time for everybody. But the worst was when the when the dad had come over to the can, you know, with four or five of his kids and he'd kick the can. And it's like, what are you doing? You're a 35 year old man. What in the blue hell is the matter with you? <laughs> Remember, I know we both felt this way, that... In theory, these people were kicking, not inanimate object, but a non-sentient being that was very soundly made. But you would feel it somehow. You would take offense and it hurt. It did, because it was your sweetest self. Because Push was supposed to be like a three-year-old child. Yeah, he was very innocent. And so that's how I played it. It was hard not to take it personally. You still just can't believe that people would do that. And so you're also really indignant. And I remember not being able to hold my tongue and saying things like, Stop kicking me. Why are you kicking me? Why are you letting your kids kick me? Why are the bystanders letting these people kick me? Kitty Genovese, I'm not 
Was that urban legend about the woman being assaulted and nobody did anything? And it yeah, it was hard to do push. And so I got to a point where I would just drive off. I would just take him backstage. Yeah, me too. It's the pinata hour, and I'm just I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. They just be beating that thing. It's like candy's not going to come out of it. It's a trash can. You might get a half-eaten churro. <laughs> When I got the Agva role at Universal Studios, I was really excited. It was so much more cushy than being a princess. I mean, 30-minute sets. At the most. Oh, the way you did them. Hey, but true. These are coveted positions. And being an Agva can sometimes be a jumping off point to a greater career. Just listen to this list of celebrities who started out as theme park performers. Kevin Richardson of the Backstreet Boys used to lead tours on a Disney World ride. Mm. Steve Martin performed magic tricks and sold merchandise at Disneyland. Wayne Brady played Tigger. Jennifer Hudson performed on a Disney cruise. Richard Carpenter got his musical start at Disneyland. Michelle Pfeiffer worked at Disneyland. What did she do? Played Catwoman. (laughs) (laughs) No, the internet won't tell me exactly what she did, but she did work there. And here's the kicker, Kevin Costner. What did he do? He was a skipper on the Jungle Cruise, which I think all the sexiest guys do. I'd like to see them get as many numbers as I did as Push. And occasionally just working at a theme park had you rubbing shoulders with celebrities, or at least performing for them. My first job at Disney had me improvising melodramatic scenes among the diners of a restaurant in California Adventure's Soap Opera Bistro. And this is where I found myself doing shtick for many unwitting celebrity audience members. Here's Gail Brennan and Rebecca Lumiansky again. Do you remember the time Kelly Ripa came? And she was absolutely delightful. She watched us do a set and she said, that's so fun. Will you guys give me a costume so I can do it with you next time? She did. She put on a candy striper costume and she came to do a set with us. And oh my God, she was so dirty. (laughs) We kept saying, you can't say that. You can't say that. Like what? You slept with my husband, you whore. (laughs) We were like, no. (laughs) Bruce Willis came into the soap opera bistro and he was looking at me like, oh, buddy, if I could help you, I would. I'm not going to laugh, but I feel for you. Does not make a scene, even though what we were literally doing was improv scenes. Just let me eat this really mediocre, expensive food. Okay. Can we have that agreement? I always love that the thing you get more soften was great. Can you get me some salt? (laughs) Susan Lucci on the ABC soap opera weekends. They didn't have a bathroom for her, so they had to build a tunnel that went from her trailer into a building so that she wouldn't have to see anyone walking into a building to use a bathroom. Oh, bless. <laughs> and also Dick Van Dyke was in that room one time when we were doing our little show. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember like? that. I remember being starstruck. He was actually very polite and very nice. He kind of put his fork down and gave us a little applause. I do remember getting totally brushed off by Danny Bonaducci. How did you ever recover? I know. <laughs> I was dressed as a ridiculous fortune teller and I walked up to him and maybe his daughter and he could see I was coming with some comedy. And he was like, <laughs> no. Uh, like you were a Greenpeace petitioner outside a whole thing. <laughs> we're not interested, ma'am. <laughs> So I walked up to Arnold Schwarzenegger and I was like, and 
and he spun me around and uh, I was laughing. I was like, oh, dude, you are so, so amazing. All of the fools are nigga. And right when I did this, this huge glob of spit <laughs> out of my mouth and I watched it in slow motion go. <laughs> and it landed right on his neck. I could see it. it was, and he saw it like we watched it go. Onto his neck. <laughs> Technically, you've necked with Arnold Schwarzenegger. We have made out. <laughs> In the end, I was able to resist the pull of being a theme park lifer. And I always knew that it was a job I wasn't going to stay at forever. But I will admit, I stayed there probably a little bit too long. I booked a starring role in a sitcom and I held on to this job. And I'm glad I did because that sitcom never aired and ended up being a lot more humiliating than even being a who. Yeah, I remember a few Agvas booked roles on Mad TV and then they came back to work at Universal after that when it ended. I took things like that as a cautionary tale, not to look an Agva gift horse in the mouth. Kind of the same way I took note of someone reluctantly stuck in the job for 40 years. In the end, it was a well-paying job where I worked with some of the best friends that I will ever have, and I'm so glad I did it. But I'm also glad that I moved on. To become a podcaster. That's a good point. Do you think Disney would take me back? Not after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's close out the way we began with Grandma Agva to sum it all up. It's great money. It's great benefits. My husband just got two brand new knees and we call them his Disney's because Disney <sighs> paid 1000% for them. It's a great company. It's one of the reasons why I stayed there for so long. I had several children and I needed insurance and I was that, that supplier. Can you spot a young Agba and say they're going to make it or they're never going to make it? Oh, yeah. I have a nickname for him. I call it Meat Hooks because <laughs> I just know Disney's going to just get their meat hooks in them and I can peg them a mile away. You can just tell the type of person that's going to be successful for the company um, who just gets sheer joy out of what they're doing and doesn't complain and shows up and has a malleable face that they can do any role. And yeah, I love seeing that and kind of guiding them little bit. I, yeah, I was going to ask as Grandma Agva, do you ever sidle up to them with any advice? And what do you say? I do. One Agva, I spotted her out at the audition and I said, oh, you're please. I hope you enjoy this next ride the next 20 years. And um, I actually talked her into becoming the ambassador. She didn't even know what it was. And just to clarify on that, the Disney ambassadors are like emissaries of goodwill or media liaisons. Oh, yeah. I groomed her and she won. <laughs> she oh got, God. She became the ambassador. So and it was so funny because I saw her driving away in the car when they won. And she kind of took her fingers like a meat hook and jabbed it into her neck. <laughs> and only I saw it and only I knew what it meant. We were laughing so hard. Next episode, something wicked this way comes. Halloween at theme parks. Go behind the scenes of Keys to the Kingdom with eight full-length bonus companion episodes featuring numerous extended and never-before-heard interviews as well as loads of hot theme park gossip. Plus, get all regular Keys to the Kingdom episodes ad-free as they release. Simply click the link in the show description. Keys to the Kingdom was created, written, produced, edited, and hosted by Amanda Lund and Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Erios, Matt Gorley, and Amanda Lund. Mixed and mastered by Brett Morris. Associate produced by Alex Paul. Sound design and artwork by Matt Gorley. Production coordination by Alex Paul and Crystal Dinsberg. 
Special thanks to Veronica Taylor, Tim Ruggieri, Tatiana Matias at Acast, and Martha Little, Amor Yates, and Nicholas Sotomayor at Audible. If you have a story about working at a theme park, email us at themeparkhotline at gmail.com and we might use it for a future episode or season. Keys to the Kingdom is an Erios production in conjunction with Tradecraft Media. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.